tonight's shir, we start a new chapter on Likut Imran, Torah Yud Ches. And each, each chapter in this Sefer is a world. If a person wants to look at it honestly and open their mind and think into it a little bit, you see literally that each chapter in this Sefer represents a world of Yiddishkeit. And there's a tremendous amount of Yerashamayim and of advice and of goodness that a person could draw literally from each chapter in this Sefer. This Torah, Torah Yud Ches, bases on a Gomorrah in Boba Basra. One of the outstanding stories that's mentioned in that section in the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah says, Rabbi Yonason Mishtoi, Rabbi Yonason told over, Zimna Chodo Havakazlina Bisvinta, one time I was riding in a ship, the Chazina Hahu Kartalisa, and I saw a chest to have a Mikbibo Avonim Toivois Umargolius. This chest had inside of it precious stones and diamonds, and precious stones and pearls. Margolius means pearls. Vahadrile Mini Dekavri, and around this chest was swimming around different kinds of fish, Demikri Birsha, fish that are called by this name Birsha. They were swimming around this chest, sort of protecting it and preventing people from being able to get to it. Nochis Bar Amoiroi, a diver, went down Laasuye to try to retrieve this chest. Verogash, the fish, noticed this. They noticed him and they felt his presence. Uboi denishmete liatme. So they wanted to bite off or cut off his his thigh, his foot, the whole length of the foot. Vizorak ziko dechala. So he threw a bottle of vinegar towards these fish. Venochis. And they left them alone because the vinegar has a very strong smell to it, a very bad smell. The fish smelled that and they, went, they ran away from it. Nofak braskolo, a baskol came forth from Shemayim, the Omar, and said, My islechu bahadi kartalisa. What do you want with, that, with this chest, the debisu de Rabbi Hanina ben Daisa? This chest belongs to the wife of Rabbi Hanina ben Daisa. Da asido She's she is going to put tchelis, that special blue wool, into this chest for tzadikim This is the story as the Gemara relates it. Loshen Rabbeinazal. This chapter is exactly the wording of Rabbeinazal as he had written. We mentioned that there are certain chapters on Likutei Moran where Rabbeinazal heard the shir wrote it over in his own words, and usually went back to Rabbein Azal to have him check over his notes to make sure everything was accurate, 100%, and that became a chapter on Likut Imran. There are several chapters on Likut Imran where Rabbein Azal actually sat Rabbein Azal down and had him copy over his own notes, Rabbein Azal's notes that he had on the shir, verbatim, word for word, exactly the way Rabbein Azal had it. Rabbein Azal says, Da, you should know. 
Ah, I'm sorry, the Rashbam. We'll do the Rashbam first, which is the Rashi on Masechta Baba Basra in that section. Kartalisa. <coughs> he told over. Husiper. Kartalisa. Argaz. A chest, like a treasure chest. The Mikri Birsha on the side of the Gemara. You see it? The small commentary on the side of the Gemara. The Mikri Birsha, fish that are called Birsha. Kach Shmoi, that's the name of this fish. Bar Amoiroi, Odom Sheyodea Loshut Bamayim, a person who's very experienced in swimming, in like deep sea diving, to be able to go all the way down. Boy Denishmete Liatma, Shebikesh Lachtoich Yerechoi, these fish wanted to cut off his thigh. Zorakle Chala, what is Chala? Chala in Aramaic is chometz, vinegar. Uborach meirechoi liam. And the, the fish ran away from the bad odor of this vinegar into the ocean, ran away from the chest. The wife of Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa is going to hide this tchelis in this chest for tzaddikim in the world to come. Implying that tzaddikim in the world to come are going to be given this tchelis. We'll see what it represents. Now Rabbi Nezal says, Da, you should know, Ki lechol dovor yesh tachlis, that each and every single item has a purpose, it has a goal, it has a conclusion to it, an end to it. Ule tachlis yesh oid tachlis acher. And sometimes the purpose has another purpose. Sometimes a person says, I'm doing this for this. And then when you ask the person, and why, why is that? And he says, for a different reason. And why is that? For a different reason. Until you get to the final reason, which is really the real reason behind why the person was doing what they were doing. Rabbi Nezal says, Ule tachlis yesh oi tachlis acher. And, and the purpose has another purpose. Govoya me'al govoya. One level above the other. Reaching to higher and higher levels of purpose as to why people do things. Lamoshal, for example, Tachlis Binyan Habayis, if a person were asked the reason for building a house, they would say, So that I should have a place to put my hat down in, so that I should have a place to rest in. The Tachlis Hamenucha, and why do I need a place to stay in? For what, what do I need a place to stay in for? So that if I have a place to rest in, if I have a place to eat and sleep and go to the bathroom and rest and sleep, I'll be able to get strength to serve Hashem. And what's the purpose in serving Hashem? The chulu, that has a different purpose. Each thing going from purpose, level of purpose to a higher level of purpose each time. The purpose, the reason behind why something's being done is often closer to the person's thought in doing it than the item, than the object itself. Rabbi Nassau is going to give an example in a minute. You have a house, a person built a house. When he built a house, he had something in mind in building the house. 
the tachlis of why he built the house is closer to what he had in mind when he was building it than the house itself. The tachlis of the item is closer to the person's thought than the item itself. We have a statement that we say Friday night in the davening. That the end, the finish of the act of the action, the completion of the action was in the original thought of the person. That was the person's original thought. Nimza shehasoif vahatachlis hutchilo b'machshava v'koroivlo. So we see from this that the end, the final, final purpose behind an item, is what was in the person's mind originally when they were first thinking of of doing the item or making the item, and very close to that original machshava. And it's, and it's as a result of that purpose, that the, the, the goal that the person had in mind, what he wanted to do, that's what made him go ahead and actually build this house or do the maisa that he was doing. Lamoshel, here Rabbein Zal gives now a very clear example. Lamoshel, when a person first conceives, first thinks of building a house, Certainly, a house doesn't get built in one shot. Not in one hour, not in one day, not in one round of work. The workers have to keep coming back day after day, week after week, for months, sometimes for years, from when they start building a house until they completely finish the house. First, you have to prepare wood. You have to chop trees and trim the, the and take the trees that you chop down and trim them and take out just the part of the wood that's used in building. And to arrange each and every piece of wood, larger pieces, thicker pieces, thinner pieces, according to what you're going to use for the roof, what you're going to use for the base of the house, each piece differently. And then afterwards, months later, or years later, is when the house is completed. We see from this, that the completion of the house, that's the purpose of the house. When he started building the house, he wasn't building it so that he can knock two pieces of wood together. His purpose in knocking these two pieces of wood together was that he intended to knock together another 400 pieces to it and then put glass in for windows and put heating in and this, that, that it should become a house. And that, so we see that the tachlis habinyan v'soifoi that's what was in his mind in the beginning. When a person first thinks that he wants a house, he doesn't think of pieces of wood being knocked in together. The first picture in his mind is this finished house with the windows and the doorway and the bedroom and the beds in it and the carpet on the floor. His first machshava is the final picture, the soif, the tachlis. Then he first has to go back and rearrange himself and go back to figuring out where to start from and start doing it step by step. So Rabbein Hazal says, we see here a case where the end is closer to the person's thought process in thinking out what they want to do than, than the object itself, within the building of the object itself. Nimza, shehat tachlis, 
So we see that when a person first thinks about something they want to do, their first thought is not necessarily the first thing they're going to do in making that happen. Their first thought is a person, let's say, wants to move Teretz Yisrael. His first thought isn't going through passport control and filling out the papers and getting a shipper. His first thought is that he wants his kids to have a good Jewish education. He wants his kids to grow up in a neighborhood which is all Jewish. And he knows that in Chutzlars, that's very hard to find. It's rare. So that's his first thought. His first thought is something that's going to be the result. It's going to take months or years to get to that place. But that's his original, that's the Machshava Tchila, and it's the Soif Maisa. And those two are very close together. This is something a person has to understand in how things work in the world. Bechlal, in, in, in a person doing things or making things happen, it's the tachlis that, that usually, that's supposed to come into a person's mind first before they go ahead and do something. A person might think that that's backwards, that's upside down. How could you say that? How could you figure out the end of what you're going to do if you didn't even do the beginning yet? How can you start thinking about what the house is going to look like when it's finished before you even dug the foundation? And yet, Kaviochel, this is the way Hashem created men. This is the way Hashem created the brain that it works in such a way that the soif maisa comes into the machshova before, before anything. Now, Rabbi Nezal says, now let's apply this to serious business. Veda, you should know, shehatachlis shel habriya hu shiashua oilam haba. If you want to know what the purpose and what the goal of the whole creation is, it's the pleasures of oilam haba. That there should be a Jewish nation, and within that Jewish nation, there should be a select few that are going to be privileged to get to a place where they're going to have tremendous, fantastic pleasures. And it's impossible to bring that close to people's brains. It's impossible to make up to bring that to a place where a person can really think about it in a clear way. Why? Because this purpose, this climax, there's a post that says, no eye has ever seen anything like it. Hashem, only you, nobody else can conceive of what Olam Haba is like, what Gan Eden is like. So because no person has ever seen it, we can't even begin to imagine what this could be like. So it's, it's impossible for people to be able to think about what Olam Haba is like, since nobody ever saw it, nobody has an idea what it looks like, except Hashem, the Pesach says, Elohim Zula Secho, only Hashem. Rabbi Nezal says, Avul hat tzadikim be'emes gamheim yecholim litfois be'machshavtom tach l'soylam habo. However, you should know there's a chiddish that there is somebody besides Hashem that can bring this concept of the tach l'soylam habo into, into their own minds and into other people's minds. And this is the tzadikim. The tzadikim are capable of bringing this tach l'soylam habo into their minds. V'chol echod v'echod mi Yisrael. 
לפי שורשוי שיש לו בתוך נשמס הצדיק, and each and every single Jew, according to how well connected he is, according to how well connected his neshama is, in its origin, in its foundation, which is the tzadik, the neshama, the tzadik, kein mekabel mimenu gam kein zois hatachlis. It's to that degree, relative to how well connected the person's neshama is into the neshama, the tzadik, that's what determines how well the tzadik is able how well the person is able to receive from the tzaddik an understanding of this tachlis, an understanding of a concept of oilam habo. And what is it dependent on? It's dependent on one specific item, Rabbi Nezal says. Kifi haforas hakas brachmonus. According to how well a person is capable of pushing away anger and exchanging it for Achmonis, for kindness, pity, that's what determines how well connected they are to the tzaddik, and that's what determines how, how well the tzaddik is able to bring into their mind an understanding of Olam Haba. Kifi haforas hakas brachmonus, which means, Rabbi Nezal says, Hainu, this means, Kishebo odom lichlal kas, when a person gets into a situation where, where there's justification for him to get angry, something happens which would give him a good excuse for getting mad, getting angry. <coughs> Rather than letting his anger cause him to do something, like break a dish, or yell at, embarrass somebody, insult somebody, or hurt somebody's feelings, or do any one of millions of things that people could be poyel, pu'ulois, that can be a result of kas, rather than do that, the other rabba, just the opposite, yamtik hakas brachmonus. The person should take that kas and rearrange it, sweeten it into rachmonus, into pity, into kindness. Bebechinas, as the Pesach says about Hashem, Beroiges, Hashem, when you would want to get angry at us, when you have good cause and good reason to get angry at us, Rachem Tizkoyer, convert it for Rachmonis, change it around, turn it into Rachmonis. Vaydezeh, okay, that's what a person has to do. And when a person does that, when a person is zoichet to accomplish that, he's zoichet to break this meat of kas inside himself, so that when an opportunity comes up to get angry, rather than falling for that trick of the soton to let him get angry, he, he's able to overcome the anger and turn it into rachmonus. That person will be zoichet to make a crown for those very humble people who are looking to run away from honor and leadership. These people make themselves like nothings. They, they, they make themselves like waste matter. Period. Because of their modesty and humbleness, they look to escape any leadership, any authority. And this person who's to be able to change his kas into Rachmonis, he creates a crown, he creates a crown for those people, and he crowns them. 
And when these people, these super modest people, who by nature are they're looking to run away from leadership, 100%. When this person creates a crown for them through his Rachmonus, Bebechinas, as the Posik says in Tehillim, Hama'atrechi chesed v'rachamim, Hashem crowns you with kindness and pity. So we see that there's a concept of a crown that's created from Rachmonus. When these people have this crown placed on their head, Azai mekablin es hakovoid v'hasroro balkorchom. Then they accept this honor and this leadership against their will. Even though this is not something that they want or they like, they're forced to accept this leadership and authority. This is what the Pesach says, A crown of beauty for the She'er of Hashem's people. She'er means the leftovers. And the Gemara Darshans, Who are the ones who are crowned? Those people who consider themselves like Shirayim, like leftovers. They consider themselves nothings. Those are the ones whom Hashem wants to put into a position of leadership. Because this fact, this thing that tzaddikim run away from, from leadership and honor, and they don't want to lead the Jews, how does, what makes them do this? What makes tzaddikim look to escape from leading Bnei Yisrael, it comes to them, this thought comes to them as a result of the Hastoras Pnei Hashem, as a result of Hashem turning his, his face away from the Jews. Hashem turns his back on the Jews. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. He doesn't want to lead them. So the tzaddik reacts the same way. He also wants to run away from them. He wants to run away from his responsibility of leadership for the Jewish people. This comes as a result of Hastoras Pnei Hashem. What causes Hastoras Pnei Hashem? This comes as a result of a weakness in faith on the part of the Jewish people. Because according to how much people deny Hashem, that's what causes Hashem to hide himself even more, to make himself less visible and less apparent. And Kaviochel Hashem doesn't want to lead them. And this concept of Hashem hiding himself, that's a concept of Hashem being angry. When a person says, I can't look at your face, that's a way of saying I'm very angry at you. That's synonymous with anger. When Hashem says he can't face us, it's implying from great anger. And what brings out this anger in Hashem? Idol worship, the opposite of faith. Kemaimar, as the Gemara, as the Sifri says, that as long as there's idol worship in the world, Hashem's anger is in the world. And even when there isn't literally idol worship in the world, but the fact that the emuna, the fact that the faith 
is imperfect. People don't believe 100%. They believe 99% or they believe 1% or anywhere in between. Oz gamkein hacharoin af vahastorosoi lefi hismatu soemuna. Then also, Hashem's anger is in ratio to the deficiency in emuna. Umachmas shechar... Now, period. That's one fact. Now Rabbi Nezal continues to explain further. And because of the fact that we know that Hashem's anger isn't measured by the gallon, Hashem doesn't get angry for weeks or for months. The Gemara says how, how long Hashem gets angry for. Hashem, who has every excuse if there's anybody that has an excuse to have kavod, to have self-respect, to get insulted or to get upset for not being respected properly, it's Hashem. So you would think that if anybody could hold a grudge real well, Hashem has to be able to do the best job, to be able to hold a grudge for thousands of years or millions of years. The Gemara says, you want to know how, how long Hashem stays angry? The Gemara says, And because of the fact that Hashem's anger is only a split second, a part of a second, as the Pesach says in Tehillim, Hashem's anger is a rega, it's a fraction of a second. Therefore, people don't feel it. People don't notice it sometimes. They don't notice that there's anger around because the anger is shown so quickly. Only the anger will only be felt when there's actually Avodah in the world, which brings out the full measure of the anger of Hashem, then it'll be noticed, let's say, for a full second. But when there isn't any actual Avodah in the world, but rather there's a little bit missing in Shleimus Emuna, Azai Bevadai Enoi Nirgash Ma'at then certainly it's not noticeable the tiny fraction of a fraction of a second of the anger of Hashem that's caused by this lack of Shlemo Semuna. It's, it, it happens so fast that people don't realize that that's what's happening. And the hiddenness of Hashem is not recognized. People can't feel it, can't notice it. But when this reaction of Hashem, when it affects the tzaddikim, when the tzaddikim are affected by this, then what happens is that tzaddikim also bury their faces. They also want to look away, turn away from the Jewish people, not look at them, not have anything to do with them. And the tzaddikim refuse to accept their responsibility of leading Bnei Yisrael. And because of the fact that the anger by Hashem is only a fraction of a fraction of a second because of this lack of Shleim HaSemuna, therefore what happens is that Tzadikim can't even realize that this 
feeling that they have of wanting to run away from Bnei Yisrael is because of the anger of Hashem. Because the anger of Hashem happened so fast that the tzaddikim didn't even realize that that's what happened and that's what's causing them to have this feeling of not wanting to lead Bnei Yisrael. So therefore, what do they think is the reason behind this feeling? But rather the tzaddikim feel that the reason why they don't have any desire to lead the Jewish people is because they're not worthy for it. They start to feel, they start to doubt themselves that maybe if I feel like I don't want to, like I don't want to lead the Jewish people, it's because I'm not really the one that's supposed to be leading them. Maybe I'm not really on the level. Maybe somebody else is supposed to be doing it. And therefore, the tzaddikim make themselves like leftovers, like nothing. In other words, they don't walk around with any authority, with any sense of leadership, but rather they walk around as if they were ordinary people, as if they were nothing. And they say that they're not worthy of leading the people. And Rabbi Nezal says the truth is that they themselves, the tzaddikim themselves, don't sense that anger of Hashem, because it's only a tiny, tiny fraction. And it's hard even for the tzaddikim to catch it, to catch that that's what happened and that that's what splattered them. That's what caused them to have this feeling of of copying Hashem. That just like Hashem was master ponov from Bnei Yisrael, the tzaddik also has a, has a feeling of wanting to be master ponim from Bnei Yisrael. Now, Rabbi Nezal says, with this we could understand one of the major mysteries in the Chumash. The Torah says, we know that there's nobody on this earth that Hashem loved more than Moshe Rabbeinu. Nobody but nobody. Today was the yard site of Moshe Rabbeinu. Today was Zion Ador. And the Gemara says that when the Yidden, during the time of Achashverosh, were in such danger and such sakona and everything, and, and Haman wanted to flip a coin, he wanted to throw a lottery to pick the month when he thought he had the best shot of wiping out Bnei Yisrael, and when the lottery landed on the month of Ador, he was thrilled, because he knew that that was the month of the yard site of Moshe Rabbeinu. He figured the month in which Moshe Rabbeinu died, there couldn't be any worse month for Bnei Yisrael, because Moshe Rabbeinu was everything for Bnei Yisrael. He was it. He was the one whom Hashem loved the most, and he was the only one who was able to calm down Hashem, Kaviochel, when Hashem was at his angriest moments, when Hashem wanted to do away with the whole Bnei Yisrael, the one person that was able to do what Noyach couldn't do, what Avram Avinu couldn't do, when Hashem wanted to wipe out Sedoim, Avram Avinu tried his best to stop it and didn't succeed. Whereas, when Hashem wanted to destroy, when Hashem was 50 billion times angrier than at Sdoim, when he wanted to wipe out the whole Klal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu single-handedly was able to, the, to cause this Beroiges Rachim Tizkor. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to calm, Kaviochel, calm down the anger of Hashem and get Hashem to give it up, to stop that decision, to, to reverse the decision to destroy Bnei Yisrael. So this Moshe Rabbeinu, Oh, and so the Gemara says, little did he know, Haman Yoyo didn't know that Sadikim live out their years, Bishlemus, that if Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site was in Ador, 
we could assume also that he was born, or was, if his yard site was Zion Ador, that means he was born in Zion Ador also. And therefore, Zion Ador isn't a bad day for Bnei Israel, it's the best day for Bnei Israel. And therefore, if, if, and Ador is the best month for Bnei Israel. And therefore, he went up against them in Ador, naturally, he lost big. Haman lost big. So therefore, so this Moshe Rabbeinu, who, who loved Hashem so much, this Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the epitome of emuna, of teaching emuna to Bnei Yisroel, emuna in Hashem, emuna in Tzadikim, he was the one who brought the people of his generation to the Madrega of Vayaminu Bashem over Moshe Avdoi. Where did they get that from? Because he was their rabbi. He taught them emuna in Hashem and emuna Tzadikim on the highest level. And this one, the Torah says about him, that when Hashem wanted to send him on a mission to rescue Bnei Yisroel from Mitzrayim, to save the Jewish people, this one who supposedly loved them more than anybody else, when Hashem says, guess what? I have a job for you. What you would supposedly want to do more than anything else in the world, save the Jews, Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, thank you. And when Hashem says, yes, thank you, Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, thank you, 30 times, begging out in every way possible, until finally the Torah says, Vayichar af Hashem b'Moshe, Kaviochel Hashem got angry at Moshe Rabbeinu, and then finally Moshe Rabbeinu gave in. He said, okay, if you really, that, that, if you really want me to do it that badly, okay, I'll go. Where's the Moshe Rabbeinu? Where's the one who loved the Yidden, who should have been begging Hashem for the chance to take Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim? Rabbeinu Zal is going to explain that now. <coughs> Rabbeinu Zal says, V'zehu, based on what we just learned, Kishehiktin Moshe Satzmoy, Mileilech Mitzrayim, when Moshe Rabbeinu was making himself small, was saying that he's unworthy to take the Yidna out of Mitzrayim, to go to Mitzrayim, Velihiyois Manhig, and to be a leader, Omar, he said these words. Moshe Rabbeinu said these words. Mi onoichi ki paroi. Who am I to go to Paroi? Where does Moshe Rabbeinu come to Pravla Anivashishtik when it comes to saving the Jews? That's when you want to play modesty? The Jews are all dying? No, 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 I... I'm, I'm not great enough to be the one to take that. Who cares? Hashem's sending you great, not great, nothing. You're the one Hashem is willing to let somebody bail them out. Jump, dive on the opportunity. And we see Moshe Rabbeinu try, saying these words, and other things that he said at the time. Kosuv and the Posuk says, Vayichar af Hashem ba Hashem got angry at Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu isn't us. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't make a mistake. He didn't know Hashem that well. He didn't know Hashem would get nervous if he said this. There's nobody, but nobody, that knew Hashem better than Moshe Rabbeinu, that knew what button to push to arouse the Rachmonis of Hashem, Kaviochel, and he knew what button to push to get Hashem to explode, Kaviochel. So Moshe Rabbeinu said the wrong thing, and then Hashem got angry. It's that simple. Chas v'shalom. Rabbi Nezal says, Pirish, this means to teach us, Zois ha-haktono, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was making himself small and refusing to be a leader, that was a result of the anger of Hashem. Now, sometimes a person starts a sentence by saying, I'm going to the store to get this and this. Even though to get this and this is part two of the sentence, 
it's really the beginning. It's really because I want milk, that's why I'm going to the store. I'm not going to the store as an entry on itself. I'm going again, this soif maiseb machshovotchila. Here also, the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, who am I and what am I? And then the Torah says, Hashem got angry at Moshe Rabbeinu. The, the, so we think that because he said this, Hashem got, got angry. It's just the opposite. The Torah is saying, Moshe Rabbeinu said, who am I to go? Because Kaviochel Hashem was angry. And when Hashem gets angry, that's how his anger affects Tzadikim. It brings out a reaction in them of a modesty that's destructive to Bnei Yisrael. A modesty that hurts us. Rabbi Nezal says, so that's because the Haroinaf of Hashem was Nishtal Shemesh Rabbeinu, that's why he was Maktinesatzmoy. But when this anger, Kaviochel of Hashem, is sweetened as a result of this Rachmonis, Oz Nimtak Hacharoinaf Sheyesh Betoichat Sadikim Aide Rachmonis. Then also within the tzaddikim, this anger, this haroinaf that causes them not to be willing to accept this responsibility that Hashem wants them to accept of leading the Jewish people, that also gets nimtak, that also gets sweetened and reversed. And then the pity and kindness that's inside the tzaddikim towards the Jewish people, the pity that they naturally feel towards the Jewish people is goiver. It starts really growing in them. And they take pity on the world, specifically on the Jewish people. And they are they become willing to lead Bnei Yisrael. And they accept upon themselves this authority of leadership. So note, what gave him, the, what created his crown? This tzaddik, a tzaddik is synonymous with anivus. We know that from Moshe Rabbeinu, we know that from Avram Avinu, we know it from Dovar HaMelech. There isn't just about a single place in the Torah where the Torah compliments a tzaddik for anything other than his modesty, just about. One rep by Shlomo Melech, it says he was Chochom. Why was he Chochom? Because of his Anivus also, and because of his father's Anivus, because Dovra Melech's Anivus. So the whole greatness of Tzadikim is their modesty. And, and as a result of the modesty, they don't want to lead. What forces them to lead? Rabbi Nezal says here, their crown is created from Rachmonis. When a Jew is tested, he has a chance to get angry, and instead of getting angry, he has Rachmonis, Instead of wanting to get angry at his wife, he has pity on her. That Rachmonis creates the crown for these manhigim. That conversion of Haroinaf into Rachmonis, Kaviochel by Hashem and by Yidin, is what crowns these tzaddikim. So Rabbi Nathal says, because the crown is created from Rachmonis, then it's automatically to be assumed that these tzaddikim are going to lead Bnei Yisrael with Rachmonis. Not lead them with a stick, not look to beat Bnei Yisrael, but looking to show Rachmonis on Bnei Yisrael. Rabbi Nathal says, And it's this Rachmonis that created their authority, that's, with, that's what they lead Bnei Yisrael with. Bebechinas, as the Posik says, that it's those people that have true pity, those are the ones that are worthy of being leaders of Bnei Yisrael. 
Nimtza, Shezoi Sarachmonos Hi Atarosam. So we see that this Rachmonos, that's what becomes the crown, the authority, the leadership of these Tzadikim. Shema'ater Oisam Bemidas Malchusumanhe. That's what crowns him to be a leader, to be a Melech, to be a king. If anybody thinks about this, this is unbelievable. Rabbein is all saying here, chidushim nifloim, in understanding how tzaddikim work, how Hashem works, why the, why the Torah says that a tzaddik's manhigus is bedafka with rachmonus, where the manhigus originates from, how Bnei Yisrael take part in being mamlech tzaddikim, and how it's conceivable that at certain times in Jewish history, why is it that the leaders didn't take the bull by the horn? Why is it that they didn't stand up and lead Bnei Yisrael? There are people running around and laughing, making fun of the leaders, thinking it's, it's blaming the tzaddikim. It's their fault. They should have done something. Not knowing that the tzaddik's authority depends on Bnei Yisrael. According to how well Bnei Yisrael passed this test of, of changing, of breaking their midah of kas, converting into rachmonas, that's what determines, that's what brings out, that's what's mamtik, the haroinaf of Hashem. And according to the level of emuna, we said that pigam and emuna arouses the haroinaf of Hashem. The haroinaf of Hashem, Hashem turns away. So, so even though Hashem's turning away is for a fraction of a fraction of a second, when that spills over to the tzaddikim, it results in a long-term turning away. The tzaddik turns away for a week or for a month or for a year or for a lifetime. He turns away from Bnei Yisrael, from showing Rachmonus on Bnei Yisrael. <clears throat> How did it come about? Because a weakness in emuna is what caused this charoin af by Hashem, this tiny particle of charoin af in Hashem, which caused this reaction on the part of tzaddikim. Once that exists, how do we correct it? Each time a Jew has a test <coughs> where he has an opportunity to get angry and use his anger to do certain destruction, and he grabs hold of himself as he's starting to get angry, as, that, as the smoke is starting to come out of his nose, he grabs himself and says, wait, I'm in a position now, Chasashom, to destroy Bnei Yisrael, to create a situation where the leaders of Bnei Yisrael aren't going to want to have anything to do with them. Forget it. And he pulls back. He reverses it. And rather than yelling at his kids or at his wife or at whoever it is, he lowers the voice 6,000 decibels and he rearranges the words to tell over that same ugly message that he would have said in Kas to tell it over with a calmness, with a softness, with a niceness. That conversion of Reges to Rachmim has a spiral effect in causing Kaviochel the Haroinaf of Hashem to be eliminated, thereby eliminating the effects of Hashem's Haroinaf on the Tzadikim, and, and Hashem turns to the Yidden, and the Tzadikim turn to the Yidden, and, and they accept their true responsibility of being leaders of Bnei Israel. Now Rabbi Nezal says, V'zeh bechinas kartaliso de komiboibo this is what the Gemara was referring to when it said that there's a certain treasure chest which has in it, not, not in it, stored in it, but how do you say it? It was a chest that the chest itself has diamonds and things covered, embedded in it. That's what I'm looking for. That in the treasure chest is embedded avonim toivois and pearls. That's the meaning here. Rabbeinu Pirish Rashbam, the Rashbam touched it, Argaz, that the, the, the definition of the word kartalisa 
In Hebrew, it's an argaz. Argaz means a chest. Rabbi Nezal says, Argaz zebechinas roigez kanal. This word argaz is miloshin broigez, being angry. Va'avonim toivois zebechinas atorahanal. And the precious stones, what, what are precious stones used for? For making a crown. When a king has a crown, the crown usually has precious stones embedded in it. Bechinas Rachmonis, referring to that crown of Rachmonis that we learned about earlier. And there were fish called Birsha that was swimming around this treasure chest. Swimming around. What does the word around tell you right away? There's a posik in Tehillim, Ve'emunoscha Svivoisecha. Emuna is something that's round, that has no beginning, no end. Our faith, Faith is in something, Kaviochel and Hashem, where there's no beginning, no end. The concept of emuna is soviv. Rabbi Nezal says here, Zebechinas emuna. This concept of, of these fish that are called birsha is a concept of faith. Kemaimar, as the Gemara says in Megillah, on the Posuk, Tachas Hanatsutz Yale Baroish, that in place of the thorn bush came forth a different tree called the Baroish, referring to a, a good tree. And the Gemara says, what is Baroish? Ze Mordechai. Mordechai is called Roish. Besomim Roish Mordroer, it says by him, right? <coughs> so the Gemara says, Ze Mordechai. So Birsha is Baroish, which is Mordechai. What is Mordechai the symbol of? Venikra Yehudi. We know that in the Megillah, what title is Mordechai Atzade given? Mordechai is not called Onov in the Megillah. He's called Ish Yehudi Hoya Beshushan Abira. He was a Yehudi. Al Shem Shekofar Bavoydezora. How did he get the title Yehudi? Because he was anti Avoydezora. When Homon put himself up as an idol, the one person who turned away from him who spit on him was Mordechai Tzadik. That's why he got this title Ish Yehudi. Kemaimar, like the Gemara says, Kol HaKoyfer Ba'akum Nikro Yehudi. That how does a person get the title Yehudi? A person who denies Avodah gets this title Yehudi. So the, the word Yehudi refers specifically to Kfira in Avodah So we see that that's the title of Mordechai. Mordechai is called Baroish. Baroish is Birsha, this fish. So this fish that was swimming around represented the Emuna that was affecting the creation of this crown, the treasure chest. The Argaz is the union of Roiges, this anger. The Avonim Toivois, Inside of it represented a crown, that it's the reversal of this roiges. This roiges, when it's converted to rachmonus, results in a crown. A crown is something in which you embed these avonim toivois, and it's dependent on this birsha, on the emuna. It's, it's the pigamen emuna, or the tikano emuna, that affects this whole process. Not exactly. And as you have to follow, I think, what's going on here. Rabbi Nezal explained that there was a step one. One resulted in two. One caused two. And therefore, you need three to fix it. One was a deficiency in Amuna. What caused the Haroinaf of Hashem? Avodizor boilam, Haroinaf boilam. So the tiniest deficiency in Amuna 
results in a tiny, tiny concept of haroinaf, period. That's scene one. Scene two, Rabbein Ezzel said, once that happened, Rabbein Ezzel's advice here specifically wasn't, therefore, fix up your emuna and the haroinaf will go away. Rabbein Ezzel's advice here was, therefore, when you're given a test of kas and you reverse the kas for achmonus, that changing, that blowing away of haroinaf will automatically cause that other haroinaf that was caused by deficiency in emuna to also go away. The question is, don't we say usually that when the Yidin have chesaron and amuna, the purpose of the tzaddik is to help them out in everything? The answer is sometimes. Some, it depends on the degree, and it de- depends on exactly what's going on at the time. Sometimes their chesaron and causes an anger on the part of Hashem, which affects the tzaddik momentarily, or sometimes even short-term, or sometimes long-term, with this reaction of not wanting to deal with the Yidden, wanting to walk away from them. That's what happens sometimes as a result of the deficiency in Emuna, which causes the Haroinaf by Hashem. So Rabbein on this Torah says, therefore, just like deficiency in Emuna brought about Haroinaf, there's something else, a different scenario completely that can be mamtik haroinaf. What is it? When there's an opportunity to be koyes and you convert it for achmonis, that's the same thing. Now we know that the two are synonymous because the Gemara says kol ha koyes kilu That kas is another nickname for avoidazora because a person who could have the chutzpah to blow their top, person who could yell at the top of their lungs, could only do that if they think they're the only one in the world. If somebody knows that there's somebody living in an apartment one floor below them, they could never scream at the top of their lungs because they know that the other person would, would not be enjoying it. It would be off the... For, to say the least, Elamai, what allows me to sp- scream at the top of my lungs? The fact that the other person doesn't exist. There's nobody but me. If I'm the only one, then I can scream, I can break dishes, I can curse, I can do anything I want. The, this, is, this is what the Gemara says. Because there's a postic, Don't have in you an idol. The Gemara says that's kas. Person who has kas means he's got an idol inside himself. He's worshipping himself. Otherwise, he could never do such a thing, period. As we see by Haman. Haman was an idol. He wanted everybody to bow down to him. What did Haman do when Mordechai didn't bow down? Anger, seething, rage. Hamas Hamelech, the Megillah talks about Kas by Achashverosh, and it says that by Vayimole Homon Chemo. Homon was full of Kas. Why? Because he was an Avoidazora. He was an idol, and an idol is synonymous with Kas. Here, Rabbein is also equating both items. Chas Vishon. He's saying here, when a person falls into caste, do this. He's talking about the real world. He's talking about us, people like us, who, number one, first he'll tell us in other Torahs that it's the worst aver in the world to get angry. In this Torah, he's addressing when the anger is there and you reverse it, when the anger is seething, when the pot started cooking and you're about to break that dish or you're about to break that person, 
when you're about to do it and you catch yourself and you reverse it, you should know that you just, you were just mamlich the tzaddikim. You just grabbed that tzaddik who was trying to sneak off in a corner and hide from being a leader of Klal Yisrael, from doing all the good that he could do for Klal Yisrael. You just put a crown on his head and you put a spotlight on him where he can't run away. He's forced to come back and he's forced to lead B'nai Yisrael and to benefit them. But it seems like if, if you don't let allow yourself, or it's, you're not put into that position, then, then what's? If you don't, if you're not about to get angry, then what else? There's other ways. Keep in mind that now, again, this is Likutei Moran. This is the Torah. There's four thousand different examples of this, in not in this literal form. No, it's the 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 hamtok of roiges terachmonis could be the left hand versus the right hand. The Shulchan Aruch says when a person gets dressed in the morning and he puts on his right shoe before the left shoe, that's a concept of beroiges racham. Why do we do it? A guy doesn't think about which shoe to put on first, the right or the left, or he doesn't think about which hand when he's standing shmon esrei and he doesn't have a sitter and saying which hand to put on top of the other. To him, it's meaningless. To a Jew, the Torah says a Jew is supposed to favor the right in each case. Why? Because the right represents Rachmonus, Chesed, and the left represents Din. Each time a person moves the right, the right hand first, that kind of thing, that's an example in a certain Bechina of this Baroiges Racham Tiskar. If I were a guy, it wouldn't matter which hand. But because I'm Jewish and I'm taught that the right represents Chesed, when I bother myself to think, hey, which shoe am I going to put? I'm going to put on that shoe and take, even if that one is further away and I take and I put it on, that's a Bechina of being Goiver, the, sm- the Amin on the smile. And there's, again, the more a person learns, the more you get to know there's thousands of different ways to be Mekayim this item. You mentioned in passing before about uh, the Yerzad Rashid. Um, why is the answer in the Gemara that, uh, that he didn't, that Homer didn't know that the birthday is, is the same month? Why, why wasn't the answer um, the fact that we know a Yerzad of Tzadik is in itself? Uh, not a, a sad thing, but a happy thing. I was going to say this before, but I didn't want to get in. I didn't want to go off on a on a total trip on that. I I don't. I'm almost sure that I heard this answer said. I I'm 99.9 percent positive that this is not something I thought of. The fact that when the Gemara says that he thought that it was the yard site, little did he know that it was the birthday. What is a yard site? A yard site is a birthday. We know. That when a person, when a tzaddik dies, that's when he's first being born. If he was a powerhouse while he was physically living in the world, that's nothing compared to how powerful he becomes the after he leaves. There is a pirish on the word yard. Aha. Again, the literal taich of the Gomorrah is not that. The literal taich is that <clears throat> he thought it was only a yard site. It happened to be his birthday also, and therefore the... The drush on it is, he thought it's a yurtzite, and therefore that's a negative for Bnei Israel. Little did he know that by tzaddikim, yurtzite doesn't mean he's dead and finished with. Lahavdil, just the, if he was big at all while he was physically living, when he's dead, he's a thousand times more effective for Bnei Israel. As in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah here is saying, who won the war for them with Haman and Moshe Rabbeinu, the fact that it fell out in Ador, Moshe Rabbeinu's koyach during the month of Ador is what gave them the Hatzlocha. If, uh, if, that's, if that's the case. But the question is, why are we must be the tzaddik? Why do we cry when a tzaddik passes away? 
if, if the Gemara is saying that, number one, the tzaddik benefits when he passes away, it's called histalkus, he goes up a level, he sees Hashem more clearly, he's closer to Hashem when he passes away than when he's physically living, and you're telling me that Bnei Israel also benefit when a tzaddik passes away. It's mechaperan, the passing away itself is mechaperan Bnei Israel, and the tzaddik himself is able to help the Yid much more when he passed away. <coughs> so why the sadness? This question is asked in the Zohar Kodesh. This question is asked exactly the way you're saying it. And the answer that's given is that misitra dilon, it's still a loss, meaning that on a certain gashmiistic level, the fact that when this tzaddik was physically living, I could pick up a telephone and call him up and say, what do I do in this case? And he would give me the answer. And when he passes away on a physical level or on a lower level, that's been taken away from me. I don't see that. So on our low level of perception, it's considered a loss, and Hashem wants us to show that we acknowledge that loss by mourning, by crying, by feeling bad. But, but the only thing that allows us to limit that feeling, not to go totally nuts, like by the goyim where they tear their skin and other things, <coughs> is the fact that we believe. We believe that that's my first reaction. The moment the person hears, chas v'sholem, rachmon al-etzlon, rachmon al that their Rebbe passed away, or that a parent passed away, chas v'sholem, the moment they hear that, the first reaction is terrible. It's, the, it's a tragedy. As far as I'm concerned, to me it's a tragedy. To me it's a loss. Because everything I was able to get from him when he was physically living is cut off from me now. And I'm acknowledging that loss. However, as Jews who are maminim, brei maminim, we believe that it's a much higher level. We believe the Shulchan Aruch says that when a person is making a wedding, they go to the cemetery to invite the grandparents, to invite, to invite the Rebbe to come to attend the wedding because they do show up. And we believe that when a person that's living has any kind of problem, who do they run to for help? They run to the, to the cemetery. They run to their rabbis who passed away or to the tzaddikim asking them for help. The Gemara says that the Yidma compared as a posseg gefen mi Mitzrayim tasia, that Hashem took out a grapevine from Mitzrayim. The Yidma compared to a grapevine. So the Gemara says, why bedafka grapevine? So the Gemara says, just like a grapevine needs wood to wrap itself around on, it needs dead wood-like. In other words, a fence that's not living wood. The fence is, is dead wood to wrap itself around on, and that's what's the whole support for the grapevine. If it doesn't have that wood there, the grapevine just rolls on the floor and turns to junk. It gets stepped on, nothing grows from it. So to the Yidna, dependent completely on the tzaddikim who passed away. They represent these fences around which this grapevine, you know, strings itself and, and the whole support. There's a lot more to say on this. That we, we went off on a tangent pretty far, you know. Hopefully we'll come back to reality next time. That's a shame. We're in the middle of Torah Yud Ches and Likutei Moran Chelik Aleph. We're up to paragraph Gimel. In our Likutei Moran, it's page 55, the left-hand column, about a quarter of the way down the page. So far in this chapter on Likutei Moran, Rabbein Ezzel discussed a few concepts. He started off talking about the fact that each and every single item has a tachlis. It has a purpose as to why, why this item is being done. For example, 
when a person builds a house, the purpose for building is the house is not simply that there should be a house there. The purpose is that they should have a place to put their hat down in. They should have a place to rest in. What's the purpose for resting? A place to, to be able to raise a family, you know, etc. And so on and so forth. So Rabbein Azal spoke about the concept of a tachlis. And Rabbein Azal said that you should know that when a person thinks of doing something, the way the thought process works is a, a person usually thinks of a tachlis first before they think of the steps that are involved in doing it. Meaning, for example, when a person goes about building a house, the first thought that comes to their mind or the first picture isn't calling up the plumber and calling up the electrician and getting glass and this, that. The first picture that comes to mind is a place where they're going to be in with grass around it and, 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 and a bedroom and this and that, all the different rooms they're going to have. They picture the finish, finished product first. And then they go back to the beginning. When they start actually making it happen, that's when they start from the beginning and go through all the steps to create it. Rabbein Azal said you should know that the tachlis of the whole creation is the pleasures of Olam Haba. That's the purpose. So the whole creation of Olam Hazer and everything that's in it is for the sake of Olam Haba. And Rabbein Azal said Olam Haba is something that only Hashem understands also, the tzaddikim, they also are able to understand it to a degree. And Rabbi Nezal said, each and every single Jew, according to how well they're connected to the tzaddik, they're also able to receive from the tzaddik an understanding of Olam Haba. Based on what? Based on how well a person is able to be mefir, their kas, with Rachmonas. Rabbi Nezal says that whenever a person has a test where something happens where there could be a reaction of getting angry, and a person stifles that anger and replaces it with Rachmonis, that item alone will help a person to be able to receive this tachlis from the tzaddikim, to receive an understanding from Olam Habal. And then Rabbein went on to explain that you should know that tzaddikim in general refuse there are many times that they refuse the mantle of leadership to be leaders of Klal Yisrael. Why does this come about? This comes about based on the anger of Hashem. What makes Hashem angry? When there's Avodah in the world. Or any lack of Shlemus in Emunah in the world. This causes Hashem's anger. When Hashem is angry, Hashem turns away from Bnei Yisrael. When Hashem turns away from Bnei Israel, the tzaddikim also turn away from Bnei Israel, in the sense that they're not willing to lead them. And Rabbein Israel says, this is not good. This is not good for Bnei Israel. How does a person force the tzaddikim back on track, back to be willing to lead Bnei Israel? Rabbein Israel says that when a person passes this kind of test of exchanging anger for Achmonas, where a person is put into a situation where they could get angry and they stifle their anger with Rachmonas, that brings about a similar reaction by Hashem, that this Hastoras Ponim of Hashem, Hashem's turning away, gets changed for his karvus, that Hashem turns towards Bnei Israel, and the Tzadikim turn towards Bnei Israel, and they accept this leadership. And with what do they lead Bnei Yisrael? With Rachmonos. So Rabbi Nezal said, Bedafka, this person, each Jew that undergoes this test of exchanging kas for Rachmonos, he's the one who crowns the tzaddik, who forces the tzaddikim to, to accept this crown 
of Rachmonis with which they lead B'nai Israel. This is most of what we had till now. Now Rabbi Nezal says, Ulefomim, at times, Choshev Odom Biatzmoi, Sheeshloi Rachmonis Aloilam, a person thinks that they really have pity on the world, and therefore he wants to lead the world because he feels that he's really good for them. He's needed, his leadership is needed, and he could really help the world and benefit the world. That's what he thinks is his reason for wanting to be a leader. But in truth, that's on the surface. Deep down inside, it's not the people that he's concerned about. He's concerned for himself. This person is really chasing after personal kavod. And he's simply justifying it to himself that he's really doing it because he wants to do good. That it's not that he wants the kavod for himself. He wants to be a leader so that he can serve the people. Whereas in truth... This person is very far from this kind of Rachmonis. Now we know that there are leaders like this. We know, for example, recently the world saw a case of leaders of communist countries, for example, Romania, that there was a leader there, Yamach Shemoy Vezichroy Ceausescu, who was a leader who ruled that country for many years. And we could be sure that in his speeches, first of all, when he was looking to become the leader of the government, and, and when he first started, obviously he was doing it for the people. He was only accepting this malchus for the sake of the people, supposedly. When in fact we find years later, when, there was, when things got opened up, when people found out the real story behind what was going on, they discovered that he had robbed the people of millions of dollars, which he took for himself, selfishly, the worst type of achzorius possible, to take bread out of people's mouths. People in the country were starving, and this person had millions and built castles for himself and had the fanciest, wealthiest things, and was prepared to run away from the country and, and steal, again, steal bread from people just so that he should be able to be rich. So we see again this, this corruption that at one time a person presents himself as one who's looking to be marachim on the people and in the end we find out that it was really a redifa for personal kavod. Rabbi Nezal says, Ki zman she'ein lo'odom emuna bishlemus she'ein shlemus achrov until a person is zoichet to the highest degree of perfection in emuna such a person certainly is not worthy to accept any kingdom or leadership of Bnei Yisrael. <coughs> and even a person who has the slightest, tiniest degree of superstition, where he believes in things other than pure, though he does believe in Hashem to a degree, such a person certainly should not accept upon himself leadership. Because Rabbi Nezal says leadership is mostly dependent on Rachmonus. We learned the Pesach earlier, that, that Manhigus is Rachmonus. 
Bahasoras Akum. And the main Rachmanis is in removing Avoidazoro, in eliminating, eliminating Avoidazoro. Vafilu Shemetz Akum, even the tiniest trace of Avoidazoro. Because we know there's nothing that gets Hashem angry. The Gemara says, calls Manshesh Avoidazoro Boilam, Charoin Af Boilam. What gets Hashem angry? Avoidazoro. So if, and what's the opposite of anger? Rachmonus, pity, kindness, softness. So it's the one who's able to eliminate the Avoidazara the most, that's the one who's able to bring about the Rachmonus by Hashem the most. So Rabbein is also showing here that that's dependent. Who can eliminate the Avoidazara the most? The one that has the most emuna. person has to have the most perfect degree of emuna to be able to, un- to, be able to realize what's Avoidazara and to be able to wipe out every last trace of it. And even those people who say a deer ran past, that means something. You know, there are people who look for all kinds of signs and they say this is a bad sign or this is a good sign, all of that kind of stuff that's not tied in directly to the Torah, to the Ashkoch of Hashem. Such a person will not have perfect Rachmonus, 100% Rachmonus that's needed to be a leader. Therefore, such a person should not accept a leadership position. Even a person who has tremendous emuna, still, it's not good enough. Until the person checks himself very carefully. To the point where he doesn't have any droplet of believing in what he's not supposed to believe in. He only believes 100% in Hashem and the Torah exactly the way he's supposed to. For example, what the Torah calls that there were certain things that the Goyim used to believe in. Again, walking under a ladder, different things that they used to believe was a bad sign and this was a good sign, all of that kind of stuff. Rabbi Nezal says it's only a person that doesn't have even the tiniest drop of that. But he's 100% believing in Hashem. Only then will that person be to true Rachmonus. And for such a person, it's worthy, the, the leadership is, is, he deserves to be a leader. But a person who doesn't have 100% perfect emunah, and it seems as if he has rachmonus on the people, and he wants to lead the people, the Gemara says that before the coming of Moshiach, there's going to be all kinds of bad things that are going to happen to the world and to Bnei Israel. One of the bad things that are going to happen is that the Malchus is going to be converted to Minus, to Apikursus. That the, you're going to have Apikursim in leadership positions, that kind of thing. That Malchus, the Malchus of Kiddusha, will be converted to Minus. Kimaat haminus poigem bamalchus, because the tiniest drop of apikursus, the tiniest imperfection in emuna, spoils the malchus. Bebechinas hanhogo, it affects a pigam in the in the hanhogo, umahapcho leminus, and it converts it to minus. Kemoi shemahapeches hamalchus liatzmoi shehumin maat, like the person, this person himself 
who, who converts this malchus to a tiny, in other words, to, to, to like, like the person who has the tiniest degree of apikursus, taking the malchus onto himself, that's this concept of the malchus tehofech laminus, that the malchus is falling into the hands of one who has a degree of minus, of apikursus. It's interesting, I didn't see this in the Mephoshim, the fact that the Gemara brings this exact lotion, v'hamalchus tehofech laminus. This will be converted to this. The word malchus is bigimatria 496, exactly. The word minus could be spelled with a yud, without a yud. The yud, a lot of times in cases like this, could be there, could not be there. The word minus, mem nun vav tov, is exactly 496. Showing that this could be the, it's, it's a choice. It's either this or it's this. If there's any degree of apicursus, then the tziruf is minus. It's only if the minus is eliminated completely, 100%, then this same item will be, will, will rearrange itself to be malchus. Malchus dikdusha is totally in emuna. And the rachmonus, this whole concept of having rachmonus on Bnei Israel, the only rachmon, is the one who has the greatest degree of emuna in Hashem, shleimus emuna, because the opposite of Rachmonus is kas. Kas comes about through lack of emuna. The Gemara says Avodah brings kas about. So it's only the one that has perfected the emuna to the greatest degree. That's the one who it's understood he has eliminated Avodah eliminated the kas, which means he's the one who has the pure Rachmonus. He's the one who's worthy of being a leader. That's why again Dovra Melech who's known as the greatest degree of emuna, tefillah. Emuna is totally in tefillah. Dovod HaMelech was the one who produced the Sefer Tehillim, which is the, the combination of all the possible tefillahs for Bnei Yisrael. That's the one who's Roy for Malchus. What's the distinction between uh, these types of Darke Hameri that Rabbein Zal says a person shouldn't have any of, and certain items like... Um, that some people are not to be careful in, let's say, stepping over a child and then walking back, uh, things along those lines. One, one word, the Torah. The things that Hashem says a person shouldn't do because they're misukon, they're, they're dangerous or something like that, that's a question of believing in Hashem. Things that don't have any mocker in the Torah at all, and yet people believe in them. Because Why do they believe? Because somebody told them that there is such a thing, and it doesn't have any source in the Torah or in, in Yiddishkeit. That's Narki Amiri. Benzel says that there are certain types of Nimshala that everybody has. And here he says, person shouldn't go after Malchus, etc. What about those uh, areas where a person can, you know, it seems he's implying that, that the malchus is dependent on this. That according to what degree of shlemus a person has an emuna, that's what will determine their shlemus and rachmonus, that's what will determine their malchus, period. So in other words, we mentioned the example of Achashverosh, that there are certain cases of people who appeared to have malchus on the surface, but really it's shallow. In a sense, either he was, he's fooling himself or he's fooling the people. Hey, you have a case here in Eretz Yisrael of a government. One minute they're all running around big shots as if they're in charge. The next minute, scramble, all hiding under the table, all looking like nuts, like little children. Nobody knows who's, who's on first, what's on second. Nobody, don't begin to begin to know where they're coming from. 
And again, it's a case where, where people see clearly that there's no rachmonus whatsoever by them. Just to have a, you know, to, to be willing to, to show some face of, of sanity just for the sake of the people, not to insult the people that they're not willing either, because there's no, malch, the malchus is not dependent, is not tied into any rachmonus on the people, because it's not, it's not based on emunah. idea there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that are tied into that one item that Rabbein Azal gives is idea that a person the the emuna is totally in tefillah the barometer for emuna is tefillah in terms of what degree of kavona in tefillah and how much you know all the different things related to tefillah that's one example the pasuk says by Moshe Rabbeinu vayhi yodov emuna the Targum says, priest on Bitzloi, that when Moshe Rabbeinu went to battle against Amolek, Amolek represents the opposite of Emuna. How did he battle Amolek? Tefillah. That's what it says. No, he went up on a mountain. He didn't, doesn't say he went into a base medrash. It says he went up on a mountain to be mispalel, period. That that was the, that's the Emunah. And, and to what degree, this is where Rabbeinu Zal stressed, that people think Tefillah is, is, two, three hours a day, and tefillah only applies to certain things. Rabbi Nezal said tefillah bishlemus means where I won't do anything, I won't touch anything unless I daven for it. Now, I won't accept the Zohar Kodesh says that there were tanoim who would walk into their house, there'd be a meal on the table ready, and he would go into another room to be mispal Hashem, please give me the meal, please give me food to eat. Was he playing a joke on Hashem? What do you mean, the food's there, you're asking for the food? No. He knew that he wouldn't touch, he didn't want to have, just like the Gemara says, that a person's not allowed to have Hanoah from anything in this world without making a bracha. What's a bracha? A tefillah. He didn't want to take anything. He didn't want to take anything to himself without first asking Hashem for it. Otherwise, it's like stealing. If I go out and buy myself a pair of shoes with money, Honestly, perfect kosher money that I miser and everything. I go out and buy a pair of shoes and I didn't say, Hashem, please give me shoes and let me be zechah to use the shoes to serve you with. Don't, don't let me do anything wrong with the shoes, etc. All, all of those things. Then there's something lacking. There's something missing from it. There's a certain shleimus ha'emunah that's missing in it. Rabbein al taught a derech through which a person could be zeichet an unbelievable shleimus ha'emuna, where a person gets into the habit of knowing that every single day, anything and everything that takes place during the day, he includes in his tefillah, either before the day or after the day, or both. When he's about to begin the day, he plans out in his mind. He has a whole day in front of him. He knows basically what he thinks he's going to do. And every step of the way, I'm going to be going to shul today. Let me be zeichah to go to shul the right way. And in shul, I should do the right thing. And when I go out of shul, I'm going to eat. Let me be zeichah to eat like a human being, not like an animal. All the, every single step of the way, being mispalel, that's all part of this shleimah suhaimunah. It's brought uh, also, I think, that when the Gemara says in Makkis, that they tried summarizing the Torah, each one brought a different item. To uh, one, one tzaddik was able to show how the 613 mitzvahs could be shrunk into 11 basic concepts. And the final one, Chavaku Kanovi said that I could show that the Torah could be summarized in one item. V'tzadik be'emunosa yichya. I once mentioned this to Rebbe Zal. So th- that the last letters of tzadik be'emunosa yichya make up the word kaveh. 
That what's the, what the, this union of tzaddik b'monosayichya is tefillah. He lives with emuna. Rabbi Nezal says, tefillah lokel chayoi. My life is tefillah lokel, davening tashem. So in this paragraph, Rabbi Nezal explained that it's possible for a person to fool himself or to fool other people into thinking that he has Rachmonus, and that's why he wants to be Melech, when it's really purely a Radifa for Kovoid. And Rabbi Nezal said the thing that's most necessary for being a Melech, to be Zerchet at his Rachmonus, is perfection of Emunah. Next, paragraph Dalid. Rabbi Nezal says, V'day, you should know, Shoha emuno machazekes tomid b'malchus v'hahanhogo, sheloyikach oiso zor she'eno roi. There's two things that which we described before basically as one, malchus, kingdom, and emuna, faith. Rabbi Nezal said you should know that this item of emuna holds on to the Malchus very tightly and it won't let anybody that's lacking in Emuna grab hold of the Malchus, take this Malchus to, in, to himself. Emuna grasps the Malchus very tightly, not allowing somebody that doesn't have Emuna to grab onto it. Vida, that's item number one. Next, Vida, and you should know, you should know that this item, Malchus, <coughs> its roots, its origin, is in Chochmah. The Zohar HaKadosh many times says, Apo Yosad Brato, that the father was the one who founded the daughter. Brato is Bas Melech, Rabbi Nezal's first story, Maisami Avedas Bas Melech, the daughter. Abba is Chochmo. Av Bechochmo Rach Bishonim, it says by, by Yosef Atzadik. He was called Avrech, Av Bechochmo. So Rabbi Nezal says you should know that the Iker Malchus Sharosha Bechochmo, Bishvil Kedei Leida Ech Lahaneg Valimloich. Because in terms of ruling, in order to rule, you need brains. Very simple. You need to know how to rule. Therefore, if you look throughout the Torah, or you look throughout the history books, or you look even today, there's no such thing as a king with, or, a, or a president without a cabinet of advisors. Each king has a team of yoyatsim. Achashverosh had yoyatsim. He had a team of advisors. Anybody that has any degree of malchus has to have a set of chachomim associated with it. Because that's what makes it that his kingdom should, should, should stand up and the country should survive. This is what the Pesach says in Chumash, Vayihi Bishurun Melech, Behisasef Rosheyom. Hainu alidei roshe om, through the brains, roish means the heads, the brains of the people, shehem hamoichin v'hachochmo, al yodom tikoin bechinas hamalchus, bishurun melech means when the kingdom was established solid. When is the kingdom strong? Behisas if roshe om, when it's tied in to, to sechel. Valyadei ahavas hachachomim tikoin hamalchus. Rabbi Nezal said, if a person wants his kingdom to stand firm, he must love Chachomim. 
And when a king finds himself hating Chachomim, he should know that that's an indication that they're going to drop him from his kingdom. You look in Megillah's Esther, the Mephorshim show in the back here, by Homon. Homon had all the honor, all the covet in the world. Everybody was bowing down to him. It says, But he hated Mordechai's guts so much that it was killing him. All the kavoy that everybody was giving him didn't compare to him to the sinner that he fell towards Mordechai. What happened a second later? He fell. Homon fell. As a result of this sinner for Chachomim. Rabbi Nassau says here that it's Ahavah for Chachomim that establishes the kingdom, that gives the kingdom a kiyum. Because the world cannot have any kiyum at all without chachma. Bebechinas, as the Pesach says, Melech bemishpot yamid eretz. A king with mishpot establishes the world, holds the world in his hands. And we know that mishpot, who are the ones who, who govern the Mishpat? The Chachamim, again, the smart people. Bebechinas, as the Gemara says, there's a Pesach in Chumash that says, Ve'imes mishpotai tigal nafshechem. If you will despise my Mishpatim, and the Gemara says, Ve'dorshu zeh hasoyne esachachomim. This Pesach is referring to a person who hates Talmidei Chachamim. So we see that Mishpat is another word for referring to Chachamim, Talmidei Chachamim. Therefore, when a person who's not perfect in emuna, he has some little bit of this dark in him. When such a person will try to rule, he'll try to be a king, he'll try to take Malchus himself, and he's not really worthy of ruling. Then the emuna that's surrounding this malchus, there's a posuk ve'emunascha svivoisecha. Emuna encircles the emuna that surrounds the malchus. Hamachzik b'hahanhogo shelo'iga bazor. The emuna that holds on very tightly to the malchus, not letting anybody that's not supposed to rule be able to grab onto this malchus. Humapil lo'ishzeh lesinas chachomim. The emuna will topple that person into sinas chachomim. It'll cause that person to fall into hating Chachomim so that the person should not succeed in taking hold of this Malchus or in becoming a Melech or in, in holding on to Malchus and certainly as soon as that happens as soon as he falls into Sinas Chachamim, you'll see right away his Malchus will fall, will crumble. Ki Iker HaMalchus Tolui BeMishpat Kanal, because Melech BaMishpat Yamederetz, the Malchus is Tolui in Mishpat, which means the Chachamim. Elo Imkain Ze, period. So that's what's going to happen. This is how the Emuna fights against somebody that doesn't deserve to be a Melech. If the person is has Dark Yamoiri, it's possible for him to grab onto the Malchus for a a little bit, we see that Homon had dark Yamoiri, a goyrol, he threw a goyrol, he believed in astrology, which month, the month of Ador, it came out, he felt good, all this of lack of Emunah, Amolek, Sofik, the opposite of Emunah. 
So what happens is, such a person can grab hold of the Malchus temporarily for a short time. But then the Amunah itself goes to battle against that person. How does it battle him? It causes that person to fall into a specific crime, the crime being Sinas Chachamim. As soon as that happens, the person gets knocked out of the box. As soon as that happens, the person won't be able to hold on to Malchus anymore. Because Malchus must be dependent on this item of Abbas Chachamim. Ki Ikra Malchus, right. Ki Elo says, but... There's one way that this person who has, who has sinas chachomim and who's not sholei minemuna will be able to hold on to the malchus. How is that? Elo imkain ze hamachzik b'malchus misgaber ba'apikursus uminus ad shemafrid esoemuna mehanhoga. However, if this person who's not really worthy of being a melech because he's lacking in emunah and he got pushed into sinas chachomim, if this person will use his apikursis and his minus, he'll strengthen it to such a point where he'll break the emunah away from the malchus. It's as if these are two things that are holding hands, the emunah and the malchus. If he can break the connection, then... Then it's possible that he'll be able to hold on to the Malchus. Because it's the Amuna that's going to be fighting him. The Amuna is going to try to push him away to break his connection to the Malchus, to throw him into Sinas Chachomim. But if he will be Mizgaber through super apikursis in breaking the connection between Amuna and Malchus, then he can hold on to his malchus. Because once he breaks the connection between the emuna and the malchus, there's nothing there to push him into sinas chachomim. Because the emuna has become separated from the malchus. So Rabbein is showing us here that you should know when, the emuna, when does emuna have koyach, when it's attached to Malchus. Then the Amuna can, can fight and can protect the Malchus from the wrong kind of person falling into the wrong hands, etc. But Rabbi Nezal says you should know that there's a power in Rishoim to affect a period between Amuna and Malchus. And once that happens, it'll be possible for this Russia to hold on to the Malchus. The Amuna, once it's separated from the Malchus, won't be able to defeat him, won't be able to beat him. Malchus, meaning the Malchus of Kedusha. Well, I'll say like how we had cases in the Navi of these the Jewish kings who were steep, uh, stooped in Avodah Zarya. They had their, they were kings for 20 or 30 or 40, 40 years. Of course. Of course. That it, in other words, he's showing that there is an option, that there's a battle that goes on between Kedusha and Tumor. And there are certain things that the Kedusha uses to fight against the Tumor. And there are certain ways that the Tumor can be misgaber against the Kedusha for a certain period of time, as we'll see in a minute. For a certain period of time. It seems here for sure, you'll see, I think, from the next paragraph that he's talking about the Malchus of Kedusha. Now Rabbi Nezal says, going back to the story in the Gemara that we had quoted in the previous year that was tied into this. Rabbi Nezal had quoted a story that Rabbi Nezal told over. One time he was riding in a ship and he saw a treasure chest that had in it beautiful precious stones and diamonds and they wanted to write and there were all kinds of fish swimming around it that were called birsha. And he said a diver dove down to try to capture this, this chest. And, and what happened was when the fish saw him coming, they wanted to 
bite, they wanted to take a bite out of his thigh. And then he threw a bottle of vinegar at them, and this caused the fish to run away. And then a Basco came out and said, what do you want this treasure chest for? This is the treasure chest of the wife of Rabbi Hanina ben Daisa, and she's storing in it tcheles for tzadikim lased lovoi. This was the story in the Gemara that we quoted last year. Now Rabbi Nezal explains a little, part, a little piece of that story. It says a diver went down to try to get this treasure chest. And the, the, wording that, the word that the Gemara uses for a diver is called Bar Amoiroi. Rabbi Nezal says, Bar Amoiroi ze she'enloi emuna bishlemus. The word Bar Amoiroi could also be referring to somebody who has this Darkei Hoemoiri, as it's called in Chumash, which means people that believe in things that are outside the framework of Torah. They believe in what's called superstition. Atmei, and these, so the fish that was surrounding this chest, this treasure chest wanted to stop him by taking a bite out of his leg, out of his thigh. Atme means his thigh. Rabbeinazal says, There's a pasuk that says that, that a person, a Jew, should strive to be on a level where he closes his ears from listening to blood. Meaning, the Gemara says, that he, he won't stand by listening while a rabbi is being insulted and be silent. That's this oitem oznoi mishmoya domin. He doesn't make believe he's not listening. In other words, he won't stand by silently when a Tamad Chacham is being insulted or being embarrassed. So these fish. If it says they wanted to bite his atme, it means they wanted to puncture this quality of this avas chachomim. They wanted to throw him into sinas chachomim. The zorak ziko he threw a bottle of vinegar at them, venochas, and the fish went away. Chalo. Bechina, chalo is the Aramaic word for vinegar here. Cheslamet aleph, not cheslamet hey. Chalo, bechinas, his gabrus haminus. Chalo refers to a, a, a rise of apicursus. Vinegar refers to something like wine that spoils. That represents a his gabrus apicursus. Ki is chameitz levovi. There's a pasuk in Tehillim which says, My heart became spoiled, which means a lack of emuna, pegamen emuna. And that's how he was able to cause the fish to run away. We had learned last week that the birsha represented emuna. Tachas baroish. The Gemara had said tachas homon came Mordechai. Mordechai was called baroish, and Mordechai was the symbol of emuna. Ish Yehudi hoya Mordechai. The Gemara says who's called Yehudi? One who's koifer bavodezora. So the birsha represented emuna. Through this vinegar, through this hiscabrus of apicursus, this chimut salev, that's what caused the, the fish, the amuna, to run away. Like the amuna wasn't able to battle him to throw him into sinas chachomim. Note, interestingly, chomets, chomets is vinegar, chomets refers to apicursus, chomets also refers to apicursus. Matzah is called Nazarek Kodesh Maichlo de Mehemenusa, the food of faith. Matzah is called the Michael of Emuna, which means that Chometz is Apikursus. Chometz is the opposite of that. Rav Nusson Zal explains like, there's a lot of reasons why. But you see that Chometz or Chometz are both associated with Apikursus, the opposite of Emuna.
Next. Now Rabbi Nezal says, Ube'emes malche ho'akum afalpi shemoilchem oleinu ein b'malchus de sitrachro mebechinas malchus digdusha v'loi noguba. Rabbi Nezal says, the fact is, even though it seems as if there are leaders of the Goyim that at times were ruling over B'nai Israel, be it Achashverosh, or be it, again, even Jews living in, in countries where the leader is a Goy, a non-Jew, even though it seems at times that the Jews are being led by a Malchus Akum, Akum could mean Goyim, or Akum could mean people that don't believe in Hashem, people that are Koifrim, people that are not Ma'aminim, this Malchus Akum, Afal Pishem Moelchem Oleinu, even though they're ruling over us, it's not because they've captured the Malchus Tegdusha and they have it in their pockets. They haven't even touched it. Just like, where do we see this related to Megillah Esther? The Zohar Kodesh says, who is the symbol of Malchus? Esther Hamalka. Esther Hamalka is the symbol of Malchus Tegdusha, the symbol of the Shechina. The Zohar Kodesh says, Achashverosh never laid a finger on Esther. The Gemara uses the lotion that she went first, she went to be with Achashverosh, and then she toiveled and went to be with Mordechai. The Zohar Kodesh says, don't you dare think that that's literally what it means, that Achashverosh touched her, or Chas Rishon was metame her. Each time Achashverosh wanted to be with her, the Zohar Kodesh says there was a shadow in the form that looked like Esther Amalka, that would let Achashverosh do with it whatever he wanted to do, and then, and whereas Esther Amalka was never touched. That's exactly the wording that Rabbein is using here, that you should know that the Malchus Akum, even though they're ruling over us, you should know that they haven't, they don't have a hold on the Malchus Tiktusha, and they never touch, they never even get to touch the Malchus Tiktusha. Or Sarah, Sarah lived 127 years, corresponding to Achashverosh, who ruled over 127 countries. 127 is the number of Malchus. By Sarah also, couldn't touch her. Avimelech couldn't touch her. Paroi couldn't touch. Each one of these women who represented the Malchus Tiktusha couldn't be touched whatsoever by the Malchus Tiklipa. Kimi Ligabo, because one who wants to touch the Malchus of Kedusha, Zev what happens is not only won't he succeed in being moilech over the Yidden, but he'll lose, he'll be forced to give up his malchus over the Goyim even. If he tries to be moishel over the Yidden, he'll end up losing his malchus to the Goyim. The emuna that surrounds our malchus will cause their chachma to fall. Shemalchus the kingdom depends on its chachamim, on, on its advisors. So the emuna will force the advisor, the, the malchus to fall <coughs> by being mapil the chachamim. This is why when the Torah talks about the kingdom of Mitzrayim having a mapola, it says, Noyalu The rulers of Tsoyan became foolish. Noyalu means became foolish. A pegamen chokma al yedei iveles. That's the begin of foolishness. Haynu nefilas chokmosom al yedei iveles. Haynu nefilas chokmosom nof malchusam. When their chokma fell, their malchus fell. Vezeh shomru chananya mishuel vazari elav nevuchad netzar. This is where we find 
that when Nebuchadnezzar wanted to threaten Hananiah, <coughs> when he wanted them to bow down to the Avodah Zorah, Hananiah Mishov Azariah, and he told them that if they don't, he's going to throw them into a kivshon of Eish, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, so they said to him, Ato moloch oleinu lecharga. Fine, you can boss us around when it comes to taxes, paying taxes and other things, you're king. But if you want us to worship your idol or to believe in your baloney, you and a dog are equal to us. You have the same chashivas. Like we'll listen to a dog, we'll listen to you. This is what they said to Nebuchadnezzar, showing him again that his malchus was nothing to them. They were telling him, just because you're a melech, <coughs> don't think you've affected our emuna one drop. Because when a goy takes hold of malchus, he cannot, his malchus is not in any way the malchus digdusha, the emuna hakdoisha. That he can't take hold of. Ki They were telling him that our emuna surrounds the malchus and protects it from allowing anybody that's unworthy from getting it. And it causes those people that are chasing after the malchus to fall into sinas chachomim. Unless the minus strengthens itself to such a degree over the emuna, to the point where it brings down the emuna. And then it's possible for the goy, for the akum, to capture the Malchus of Kedusha. Where this Baramoiroi threw the vinegar at the, at the fish, and the fish were forced to run away. Meaning, the vinegar represented the Chimutz Halev, the Minus, the Apikursus, that when the, the Apikursus is Mizgaber to a certain height, it can even it can even destroy the emuna. In other words, it could even break the connection between the emuna and the malchus, where then the goyim can actually capture the malchus digdusha to a degree. Note again, interestingly, we say that the difference between emuna and kthira is a tiny drop. Tiny drop. The dalid and the reish. Hashem echod versus kel acher. The, the tiny drop between the dalid and the reish. Minus emunois. Saint the, the difference is that aleph, like emes and mace. A mace is, is the opposite. Emes is chayim. Bo'er pnei melech chayim is, is emes. And, and mace is the opposite of that. Minus represents the, the epitome, the opposite of faith. Moves, death. And emunois is the opposite of that. Just the aleph, that tiny drop of difference. Now Rabbein Zal continues. But you should know that still, even after he's misgaber with his apikursus, they won't let him capture the malchus. As the story continues and says, Venafkis Braskola, a baskoil came out from Shamayim and said to this diver, Ma Islachu Bahadi Kartaliso, the Itzad Rabbichanina Bandoisa. What are you doing trying to capture this treasure chest of the wife of Rabbi Hanina Bandoisa? 
in which she is going to put away tcheles for the tzadikim lo'osid lovoi. Now Rabbi Nezal is going to get into something heavy a little bit. Rabbi Nezal says, Hainu al yedei shleimus ho'oisiois shel diburei emuna. Note, what is emuna? Tfila dibur. Through shleimus, of the letters, of the words of Emuna, Shehu Bechinas Eishes Rabbi Chanino Ben Doisa. That's what's represented by the wife of Rabbi Chanino Ben Doisa. Now Rabbi Nassau is going to explain. Ki Rabbi Chanino Ben Doisa Zebechinas Emuna. Rabbi Chanino Ben Doisa, we know what he was the symbol of. He was the symbol of Emuna. Ki Midosoi Emuna. The Gemara says his Mido was Emuna. How does the Gemara say his Mido was Emuna? Story what? How does the Gemara say that his that Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa was emuna? What did they come to Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa for? Tefillah. The Gemara says whenever they needed rain, they came to him for tefillah. Whenever they needed anything, they came to him for his tefillah. And he was able to say with his tefillah, he was able to tell who would live, who would die, everything. Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa midosa emuna bechinas vechanino beni dailoi bekav haruvin. The Gemara says that every day a baskoil used to come out and say that every single person in the world gets their parnasa in the schus of Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa, and Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa is satisfied with a kav haruvin. He just eats haruvin every day. Haruvin means bokzer. A bag of bakhtzer he eats a day. That's it. All the parnasa, all the wealth in the world comes in his chus, and he goes for the least possible. What is charuvin? Rabbi Nezal says, Kav charuvin midas emuna. Kav charuvin represents emuna. Charuvin bechinas baroishim. Because we know another word for bakhtzer in the Gemara, bakhtzer is called baroishim. It's the same thing. Birsha that we said before. Tachas hanatsutz yale baroish. Barosh was Mordechai. Natsus was Haman. Barosh was Mordechai. Bechinas bir shahanal. So we see that Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa represents the union of Emuna. Eishes Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa. If he's Emuna, what's the wife of Rabbi Chanina ben Doisa? Eishes ze bechinas ha'oisiois sheshleimusa malidei Emuna. Eishes represents the letters which receive shleimus through Emuna. Bebechinas, as the Pesach says in Chumash, Avonim Shleimois Tivne. Hashem says that when you'll build when you'll build a Mizbeach for me, build it from complete stones, not broken stones, but whole stones. Avonim Shleimois Tivne is Roshe Tevois Eishes, the wife. Rabbi Nezal says, Va'avonim Heim Ho'oisios. Stones is another word for letters. Kemaimar, as the Pesach says in the Sefer Yitzira, Shloisho Avonim Boinois Shishabatim, that three stones can build six houses. And over there, the Sefer Yitzira is talking about letters, that if I take three letters, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, I can form six different combinations with them. Aleph, Beis, Beis, Gimel, Aleph, Gimel, you know, I can arrange it six different ways. Three letters, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Aleph, Gimel, Beis, Gimel, Beis, you know, in, in six different sequences. So the Sefi Yitzira there is using the word Avonim to mean Oisios. Oisios nishlomim al emuna. And we know that letters get their shleimus 
through emuna. Bebechinas, as the pasuk says, oz ahafoich al ha'amim sofa brura likroi kuloi likroi kulam b'shem Hashem. Rabbein Azal says, Oz that there'll come a time when Hashem is going to give the Goyim a clear speech. They're going to be able to speak clearly. That means, they're going to get this Shlemus. Here's how. Through the fact that they'll all be proclaiming Hashem as king, meaning they'll believe in Hashem, through that they'll be zeichet to this oz that their letters will be bishlemus. Bechinas shlemus hadibur. This is the concept of shlemus hadibur. Ushlemus oisios zebechinas hatachlis shel kol hanivroim. And the concept of shleimus oisios, when a person is zeichet to a shleimus hadibur, where each ois, each letter of every word is beshleimus by him, that's the tachlis of all the nivroim. Where each ois, each letter of every word is beshleimus by him, that's the tachlis of all the nivroim. <laughs>